Welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 91. This interview is with Tom Doherty, founding partner and head of user experience at Delete Agency, a digital agency with a twist. Delete likes to push the boundaries using a strong creative process with standout clients such as Red Bull and Converse. Tom has a deep knowledge in UX and has an effective way of getting teams to craft together the best experience. There are plenty of new and untapped opportunities to create in this space. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Internet Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, author of TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Minter Dialogue. Today, I have someone who I, who I met via a blog post that he wrote that really intrigued me about user experience. So, Tom... Tell us who you are and describe us your mindset. Hello, Minta. Uh, my name is Tom Dowerty, uh, and I'm User Experience Director for Delete, which is a London-based agency. My mindset, I would say, is a problem solver. Love it. All right, so um, there are a lot of agencies uh, in digital now, you know, especially in London, which is a market I'm discovering more and more. Tell us about Delete. Yes, yeah, so Delete is a uh, full-service digital agency. Um, we've been uh, operational now for around 13 years, so it's quite quite a long time in the digital world. Um, our, our mantra is uh, digital experience creation. So it's kind of all things digital, um, and I would say our specialisms really are digital strategy, user experience, um, digital marketing, and then obviously the design and build, the actual execution side as well. Um, and, and just in terms of the name itself, Delete, we often get uh, asked, you know, where did the name come from? What's totally. The, what's, what's the story behind yeah, the word, really? And and for us, um, you know, it can be perceived as quite a negative word sometimes to delete something. But the way the way we talk about it is, you know, to delete something is actually to make space for the new and possible. Um, and, you know, Delete is really an opportunity. Um, it's a great canvas moment, really. It's a chance for you to reimagine and reinvent your, yourselves. Now, when you know that what... The world of creativity, you need to destruct to reconstruct. It makes total sense. And plus, you know, I don't, there's um, Mitch Joel wrote his book, uh, Alt Control Delete, which is very much around the same kind of idea. It's more about mindset rebooting, but I can imagine there's a, a nice little tie in with his thought. So, in a crowded marketplace, what makes Delete stand out? Yeah, I think I think one of the one of the things that we like to say to clients is, you know, um, it, it can be quite a brave move. And when, when we talk to them and we, you know, we first engage with them, we, we present the proposition, which is, like I said, it's to, to reimagine and reinvent, and it's it's a transformation moment. And you know, we like to think that we help businesses transform transform the digital future. Um, but I guess, I guess in, in it is a crowded market, absolutely. Um, as anyone knows that works in the London market, there's you know there's lots and lots of agencies pitching for, for the same amount of work. So I guess our, our our true proposition is that you know we will help a brand um, understand what they need to do in a digital space, but then we will also help them execute that. Well, clearly you have traction. I mean, aside from existing for 13 years, congratulations. <laughs> you, you've got some serious clients, among them Red Bull and Converse. Uh, yep. I, I would love to hear about you know one or one or two of the programs you've done and and what what it's like to work with Red Bull. 
Yeah, I mean, Red, Red Bull is an absolutely fantastic client, like you say. It's, um, we've been working with Red Bull now for about around five years, and um, mostly on the culture side. Red, Red Bull kind of um, split up in different divisions. You have the, the, you know, the product side of the business, then there's the, the culture side, um, there's the sport side, um, and then there's the uh, extreme sports side as well. So we work very much with the, the culture team, um, and that, that predominantly is music-based projects um, and also some of the extreme sports stuff, but yeah, the majority of what we do is on the music side. And you know, Red, Red Bull are one of those you know, in, intriguing brands, really, because they're not necessarily a brand that will constantly push their product down the, the consumer's throats. Um, they're, 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 they're Literally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, I, was, I was telling you when we met that... Um, Red Bull, you know, there will even be projects where we, we work on a, on a piece of, um, say, a music-based project for them. And we will, you know, we will sort of suggest to them, oh, do we need to actually include the, the actual product itself on the, um, on the site or application? And there's actually usually, it's like, no, we definitely don't want any reference to the product on the site. And uh, so I don't know many brands that would be that brave with their, with their marketing. Yeah, I mean, it's a brand that, I mean, obviously everyone knows. They've done amazing things. And the constant thing is, well, how can we be like them? Yeah. I mean, do you think that's realistic for other brands to try to want to be like them? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's aspirational, isn't it? I think that they're a brand that really values content and culture, and that's that they built their brand around that. And um, you know, plenty of brands that we talk to find the whole Red Bull offer very attractive, but they they've set themselves up as a business, um, which you know, essentially they're they're a media channel, they're a broadcaster, they're creating all kinds of great video content, all kinds of amazing experiences. You know, they they they're experimental with their marketing, so. They're always going to make a noise in the market, and I think that yeah, plenty of brands will want to follow that model. But it's it's, it's not easy. That's taken them a long time to do it, and uh, they're definitely set up as a company from the business side to, to deliver that type of um, experience. Can you give us an example of a a project that you've done, not necessarily just for Red Bull, but um, any of your other clients, about which you're particularly proud? Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, the most recent project we've just launched for Red Bull is a really good example. Not not to keep talking about Red Bull, but um, we um, it's it's called Red Bull Bedroom Jam, and it's just gone live actually last week um, in, in in the Belgian market first of all. And, and it's it's an amazing platform. It's it's basically Red Bull encouraging um, encouraging young bands, young amateur bands, to create their own music videos and publish them onto the site uh, and then they're entered into a competition basically and then Red Bull hosts the prize which is to play at some amazing festivals all around the world and you know it's one of those things where you know you work a long time on the platform you know really making sure that it's absolutely perfect and you launch it and then within you know 24 hours of the site being launched there's hundreds and hundreds of bands generating music videos onto the site and, that, and that's quite fulfilling to see you know yeah and people are still playing guitars and, and uh, making music it is good uh, and um, in that kind of, I mean, since they've really got a lot of flame, you, you have to also uh, probably con- be concerned about the, the server capacity. And, and I mean, do you get, do, is the platform stable? Is that a lot of the talk, type of talk you have to work, work with them on? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, they, they have a you know, really, really super strong uh, hosting platform. If you think about the amount of content they're generating and they have their own TV station, you know, they've, they've got pretty powerful streaming services. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we, we don't have to get too heavily involved at that level. I think mostly our, our work is very much at the, at the UX at the front end level. Right. Well, speaking of UX, so I, when I uh, reached out to you, Tom, it was because of yeah. that article you wrote and your particular approach to UX. So, first of all, what, how do you define a great user experience? I, I get asked that question a lot, and I don't, I don't think there's any single answer to that question. Um, I think it's totally dependent on the nature of the, of the experience you're actually evaluating. You know, um, if, and 
a lot of the time, you know, people will want, you know, one sentence answer to that, or they'll say to you, oh, is, is my site great? Or what, what could you do to improve my site what, from a UX point of view? But I think a lot of the time you have to bring it back to what that user, what that person is actually trying to do on your website or on your application. Um, I, I think a good example, if you think about travel, for instance, um, if you're, say you're evaluating um, a, a site that's based in the travel sector, um, if you think about, say, something like Skyscanner or a flight booking engine, the, the ways in which you'd evaluate the success of that of that site would be on the speed of information, um, on the accuracy of that information, and potentially the pathways into into purchase options for for a ticket. Um, but then, if you if you flip that on its head and think about, okay, well, that's, that's one way of assessing um, whether something is a great user experience from from a user side. But then, what about if someone's looking for for a holiday or they're looking to be inspired about somewhere to travel? Um, that's a completely different way. Of evaluating it because in that instance someone needs they need to be they probably have more time to spend on the site they'll probably be looking to be slightly more um engaged uh, with 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 the platform with the solution that you're you're providing and i think there's there's all different types of yeah ways of evaluating what great ux is right and so here's the challenge i mean whether it's a red bull or someone else there are a lot of different user or consumer journeys that we can talk about so yeah. i how do you go about crafting a great user experience. I think, first of all, um, you know, you have to you have to understand the person that you're designing this this solution for, and you have to try and get in the in, in the head and get in the mind space of, of that person. And that's not always a single person. Most of the time, that is it's user groups. So you need to kind of define these are the particular people we are trying to deliver an experience for, and this is this is their needs, this is their aspirations when they come come to this site or come to this application. And I think once you have that that, that rounded view of what they're looking to do, you, you design an experience to satisfy that. Um, but a lot of what we do at Delete is is actually balancing that with the business need because a business will have an objective as well for what they want to achieve from from their platform or from their site, and a user will have their objectives with what you know with what they want to achieve. So it's just it's about getting that balance and that balance right. Yeah, and I mean with the word Delete in there, um, and the notion that there are many people and we could end up with a lot of different options and mm. more complexity. The beauty is in simplifying it, deleting what is not necessary Absolutely. in order to come up with the, the one or a solution which works the best for the most targeted audience. That's, that's, that's probably the, bit, the biggest challenge that we face when we work with businesses is, is trying to get them to, um, to, to have a shared vision about what, the, what, this, what this experience needs to be. And a lot of the time when, you, when you're working with large-scale businesses like some of the clients that we do – you'll be working with quite a large team, okay? So you'll have a project team from their side and there'll be stakeholders from all different disciplines inside that business. And everybody will be pitching for um, what they think is the priority of this site or this experience. And a big part of what, what we do is exactly what you said. It's about deleting what's ne not necessarily the, the core objectives of this of this site uh, and making sure that we upplay um, the, the main priorities of what it needs to do. And, and that, a lot of the time, is about simplifying. And that's a big part of, of any you know, user experience designer is to actually simplify problems and try and get underneath um, what, what the real objective is for a business and then make sure that's mapped to what the user is trying to achieve. So if you're, if you're Tom, if you, if you were with the other side yeah, and you were like, right, I need to make a better UX, who are the right people that I should have in the room faced with uh, this delete agency i mean you know in other words in, in part of it is having the right people around the table 
as, in order to make the decisions. Yeah. How, do, what, what do you, how would you structure that? Yeah, we, we, do, we, do, we often get a chance to play, play a part in that type of conversation. Usually, usually we'd have a kind of project inception meeting at the beginning of a project, and, and that's really about defining how, how we as a business are going to work with the business that, we, that we're about to undertake the piece of work with. And, and we, we try and help shape that team from the client side. Obviously, they will always come with exactly who they'd like to be there. Right. They are the client after all. Yeah, yeah, but usually, you know, you definitely want someone from the marketing perspective because they will have the understanding of their customer. And, you know, sometimes there can be an expectation that we as an agency will have all this knowledge about a particular customer set, which we don't always, you know. There's lots of times we're coming at an industry completely new and fresh. And, and, you know, we do rely on that that, that marketing level, um, that that marketing level knowledge about the the particular customer, um, customer product. But then also, you know, it's important to have, if, if there is knowledge in the business which is um, devoted to um, insight, so any any um, data that we can actually use to, to generate um, useful insight for the project, and that, that's always handy. But, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real mix, and, but usually focused on marketing, and, um, and obviously financial, there always needs to be some financial in the room. <laughs> right, well, I understand that. Well, what about the CTO or the folks in, in tech who are doing the support? Do you... To what extent is their presence a requisite? Yeah, I mean, usually a lot of the time when we work with business, there'll be a, there'll be a core project team and there'll be a steering committee. Um, and, that, and that steering committee is kind of brought in at milestones throughout that project. Um, if we think about a project which is, you know, has quite a long, um, a long tail, there'll be, there'll be certain points where we have something to present. And, you know, we really encourage the, the business uh, that we're working with to try and at least get to some sort of single shared view before we open it up to too many people in the business because you can end up being stuck in uh, a strategic phase for a long, long time trying to define your brief and objectives. But, you know, we really encourage that core project team to, to take ownership, really. And then by the time you're you're elevating it up to the, the more senior levels in the business, you've at least got an opinion or you've got a formed argument that you're ready to, to, to out, put out there. All right, so looking at what is out there, what types of uh, UXs do you think are great? I mean, whether you have done them or not, but would you say are inspirational and uh, you know models for for others, or you might use as examples saying this is by the way this is this is a hot ticket. Yeah, yeah, I, I think um, yeah, I, yeah, that's an interesting question, and I, I, I like personally, I like user experience which are end-to-end, like I was saying earlier. So um, I think a great example, I don't know, you, you may not have used it, but there's a new app that's launched in London recently um, called Halo. Oh, yeah, uh, of course. And yeah, so that is, for me, is a perfect example of a good end-to-end user experience. And, and for certain listeners that may not know, you may not be aware of the, the app, it basically allows you at any point uh, when you're in London to um, to find out if there's a, a black taxi anywhere near you in the location. And um, before before this app existed, you would have to stand there on the side of the road trying to pull a taxi down in the rain. Or And, and this app's amazing because it will, in, in one instant, in one click, it will locate you on a map and it will locate all the taxis that are surrounding you and then tell you the nearest one um, and then deliver that once you yeah, commit to a particular um, journey that taxi will be delivered straight to you in, in a matter of two or three minutes um, and then you'll receive a, a you know a text message from the driver and, and the whole thing is just completely end-to-end and and by the time you step out of the taxi you get back onto your machine or your computer or your phone you'll receive an email with the, the, the bill in and for me that is you know, a really good example of an end-to-end um, UX. Yeah and, and they have the benefit of being mobile first or mobile only really. Which, do, yeah. um, I, so if you start talking about other clients with whom you're working they typically are going to be web first and then 
uh, well, then there's this whole mobile thing. So talk us through some of the challenges you face in creating great mobile user experiences as well as uh, on the web. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say it's a, it's, a, it's a challenge because as long as we understand from the beginning, there's a there's a motivation to be to be mobile friendly, and um, then then that's something that we build into the beginning of our, our our projects, and we make sure that from from day one we're considering mobile. And I think any business um, that's operational in this day and age has to have that philosophy. That, that, you know, you can't, it's no longer the days where you can just run um, a desktop website and hope that only people come on a desktop because. We know we know mobile engagement is on the increase. It's constantly on the increase as well. So um, it's yeah, it's always at the forefront of, of our, our minds. And I mean, the, the challenges, the biggest challenges, of course, come um, in the Q and A in the Q and A parts because um, when we get to uh, the, the, the testing um, side of the project, we, we can commit to uh, making sure that this, this solution will work on a certain amount of devices. But obviously, we don't have every single device in our in our studio. So. Um, we often um, encourage um, the businesses we work with to to test on as many devices as they possibly can, and then we will do exactly the same. But yeah, I mean, it, it is a challenge. The more and more devices that are launched on the market, the more you have to make sure that your your experiences are compatible. Um, and you know, it is an evolving platform like like the web is. Yeah, well, the yeah. Presumably, if they have a little bit of a, an understanding of the back office of Google Analytics, they can at least know where the traffic is coming from, the types of what yeah. their users are you typically using. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, back in the day, we used to be have to actually um, convince clients that they need to consider mobile, and, and those days are, are very much gone. And you know, every business now has you know, will at least have an aspiration to be mobile friendly if they're not already. Um, and many of them will have apps that they've launched previously. So, and I guess the, the only some of the challenges that we face sometimes is that they, they've been businesses may have been slightly tarnished by something they've done before. So they may have had quite a poor experience designing, you know, a bespoke native iOS app that really didn't do very well and they spent a lot of money on it. And so we really encourage a responsive design approach now with our work, um, making sure that most the majority of work that we do now is, is responsive design approach and showing that it works and it's cross-compatible and it works on multi-device, tablet, oh. mobile, desktop. I certainly don't want to put you on the spot, but I don't know if you have your mobile in front of you. Have you ever been on Apple's uh, mobile site? <laughs> Uh, Apple's mobile site. Yeah. No, I haven't. No. I've right, well, on. I'll tell you about it because I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still looking for an answer, and I haven't yeah. got anyone in Apple who's given me a straight, straight-faced answer. But their Apple mobile uh, interface sucks. Yeah, it's not, it's not mobile friendly whatsoever. I mean, what's up with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can never understand that. They, they are at the forefront of launching all these devices um, and you know, devices that are used by millions and millions of people around the world, yet the website which you purchase these phones from and experience these phones is, is purely desktop-focused. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand that at all. I can't believe they've not you know, they've got a responsive approach yet. God. So, uh, well, so I was just, it makes me laugh because you say, you know, everyone gets it and you're in mobile, of course, and but no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's still plenty of... I haven't figured it out. When you are, are dealing with your companies, um, to what extent do you feel you have to be evangelizing? How much of it is explaining to people what is a good UX? Because mm-hmm. I can yeah. imagine, as you were saying before, there's like, well, there's a, no one answer for anybody. Yeah. But I also think that there's poor understanding of what is a good user experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I often I often say it's a, it's a three tiered approach, and 
if you think about a pyramid, um, at, at the very bottom, you've got, you've got a baseline. And that is, is very much about having an experience which does what you expect it to do. So, you know, it, it, you know, it needs to be mobile friendly. It needs to load fast. There needs to be clear navigation. All the mandatories of a, of a good user experience, the kind of the expected level, I suppose. And then on top of that, there's, that, there's the aesthetic layer. So, um, you know, for me, it's critical that businesses have do, do pay attention to good design and, and have a visual language which really aids usability. I think that's, that's important, you know, structured information, clean typography, clear call to actions, all the things that make it um, interesting to use but also make it easy to use because it looks good. And then I, I guess at the top, which is, is probably where... Um, you know, businesses are are interested in investing right now. Is is you know what we call the kind of the pleasure layer. It's it's where you add that little bit of delight um, to to the experience. And a lot of, a lot of the time, that's the kind sort of, of things you remember. That's that's the, what creates that memorable experience. Um, and that, that could be really simple things like like copy. Uh, you might have a very nice first tone to your copy. You may have some nice personalized features on the site. Could be, you know, quirky animations and um, small transitions. Just, the, the, I guess, the polish that you add, which is, which makes it, yeah, a, a great, a great experience for the people using them. Are you a fan of uh, takeovers? Of, of what? Sorry. Takeovers. In what context? Well, when they, you know, take uh, they take over your mobile, they take over the screen, the screen. So like an, an advertisement. Yeah. Exactly. Not really, no, no. I try and discourage that. Uh, that for, I mean, in certain cases, it's it's quite interruptive and it may work, but um, yeah, I, I try and discourage that. Yeah, that use. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I was thinking about that in the context of uh, the little surprise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that could be seen. Yeah, a negative surprise, I suppose. Yeah, indeed. Um, so, for staying up to date, uh, how do you? Because you, you you blog. And, uh, you know, you're trying to stay up to date with everything that's going on in user experience. What's, what are the best sources for staying up to date? Yeah, I mean, I, I use a few different sources, really. I, you know, I guess some of the portals for the insight generation. So e-consultancy is always, always good. Uh, A-list apart, um, UX mag. And then also NetMag, uh, which is a printed uh, magazine. Um, global printed what? Magazine. You mean you're still reading paper? Or what is I still read paper, yeah. And they, they just actually moved to a creative block, I think, online now. So that's that's where the, my, my last work was published. I also write for them. So, uh, I see. Yeah. Um, but then I guess from a design and tech a tech uh, point of view, because you know I, I'm still very much involved in a design level with um, the work I do. Um, sites like Unmatched Style, uh, FWA Awards. Uh, it's nice that you know really good for creative inspiration I suppose cool well I'm going to put you have to send me all those and I'll put them in the show notes <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and uh, so Tom last question for you who if anyone wants to uh, read you reach out to you um, follow you what are the best ways to do that yeah so I, I'm uh, personally available at hello at deleteagency.com that's our, that's our agency address and it comes comes through to me uh, and then also um, I'm on uh, LinkedIn uh, and Twitter, and I'll, I'll give you those addresses um, for the uh, for the show notes. I'll send you to a blog post or two that I appreciated as well. So, yeah. Tom, thanks for coming on the show. Good to speak with you about user experience. I think uh, it's a it's an evolving space, and in the, in the extent that you know what was good yesterday is no longer going to be good necessarily good tomorrow. And, uh, and I'm excited to get to know you, and, and I, I really appreciate the way you approach it, and um, hopefully we get a chance to work together. Absolutely. Thanks very much. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minta Dialogue Internet Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please rate it in iTunes, and don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button 
or to tweet it out. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at The Mindset or catch me on Twitter at M-D-I-A-L. Happy trails. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.